0: Welcome to Food Friday Leftovers,
1: a podcast about all the goodies left over from Food
0: Friday. I'm Dave Hopper. And I'm Ashley Kinsey. Tune in each week as we cover culinary topics such as food trucks, local food, pizza, veggies, beer, and wine. You hungry yet? Huh, I'm always hungry. Well, on that note, Ashley, tell us what's in the fridge this week.
1: Oh, my favorite! It's carbs, pancakes, English muffins, bread... You found those in the fridge? (laughs) Today we're talking with Amy Halloran, author and baker. Amy, thanks for joining us today on Food Friday Leftovers.
2: Thanks for having
1: me. And you're also um, the author of the book, The New Bread Basket. And I had a question about something that I read in the description for the book. It says, today, bread and beer are once again building community as a new band of farmers, bakers, millers, and maltsters work to reinvent local grain systems. And your book, The New Bread Basket, tells their stories. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about the relationships of grain with beer like this is kind of a beer question Uh Um, (laughs) if you want questions and answers to other grain things please check out food friday but for now we're going to talk a little bit about grains and beer what do you think is one of the best things about having having a local grain economy versus okay local grain economy versus outside like for beers and the quality of the beer and the taste of the beer and that kind of thing
2: Okay, so ideologically, there's a lot I believe in, and I'll go back to that. But taste-wise, you've got a lot of freshness. Beer is made from malt. Malt is a live grain product, and yet when it's produced in the way that it's mostly produced, that is from giant fields at giant malt houses, far away from where most brew houses are, it's going to be old and therefore stale once it gets, once it gets to the brewery and you start to work with it. So freshness is really important in all kinds of things. You can see that in everything else you eat, unless you're going for an aged product, but you'll be able to take advantage of a lot of flavors that you wouldn't otherwise.
1: Now, is that something that just a regular person would notice? Because I don't know, when I think about beer and the fact that it's fermented, it's kind of old already. Does right. that make
2: sense? You know, I'm not the best person to quiz on this because <laughs> I had to stop drinking beer a long time before <laughs> I got into grains. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have the, the actual taste intelligence to know. I do know that in flour, the taste is incredibly different. It's really remarkable. So you are getting a lot from the flavors of fermentation in a beer, and, but I would imagine that those very vibrant flavors that I notice in a, a grain product, a baked grain product, would be coming through in the beer as well.
0: I heard a, a story on Morning Edition this morning, actually, about the same kind of thing. They were talking about tomatoes, mm-hmm. and they had a, one of the hosts try a tomato from Mexico, a tomato from Florida, and then one specially grown that was about a third of the size, of the other ones. And, of course, the one that was taken care of the most and didn't have to travel as far was way better.
2: Yeah, and the tomato is the easiest thing to understand because that's sort of the gateway to a lot of people's experiences of local food. The difference between a cellophane-wrapped tomato (laughs) and its own little greenhouse basket Mm -hmm. in the store like I used to see when I was growing up and what you can get at the farmers market now or what you grow in your backyard they are different planets of food and Mm -hmm. the same thing is really
0: apparent with grains what do you do at the farmers market are you
2: I don't do anything anymore I used to run it so in the very early days I was its its first paid manager and I loved the setup that they had that invited in a lot of people in the early days of local eating who didn't have an interest in the food per se. So we had a structure where we had community groups coming in where we had children's activities and music. So there were a lot of reasons to be there. Once people got there, they they tasted the food and fell absolutely in love. So it was this great mechanism and then, you know, it was also over that period of time where people were finding a lot of reasons to get interested in local food. You know, there were all sorts of produce scares, food safety Mm -hmm. issues, health issues, people wanting to see local land used in a better way than just having housing on it all the time. And it kind of exploded.
0: Yeah. It's very popular now. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a customer now?
2: I am a bit, but mostly (laughs) my husband and son grow a lot of our own food, and my kid works on farms. Really? Yeah. So we have half an acre in our yard in Troy, and we have our own chickens and can do a lot of stuff.
1: Back to the grains and the bread, because I love bread Mm. more than I should, okay? (laughs) But I am a terrible, terrible baker. Uh Uh-huh. Right? (laughs) I... Even the box mix. You make cupcakes or something for my daughter's seven, and sometimes they ask you to make things. And I can't even get that right. Would your typical store... I know you're probably going to say absolutely not. But (laughs) for somebody who is new to baking and exploring different grains and... Even introducing things like different grains to my daughter. What is the best way to do that? Do I just put together a muffin and throw some stuff in there? No. Or Your <laughs> pancake is your gateway to great food.
2: And to playing with local grains. Because... Pancakes are really easy. So even though you've had trouble with the boxed mix, Mm -hmm. can you make a pancake? That is one thing I
1: can make. See?
2: (laughs) That's just about it for everyone. The pancake is salvation to all of us. I really think so. You know, because it gives you... An easy cooking experience. Not a lot of people say I'm the world's worst pancake maker. There are a few. <laughs> I've met them. But mostly it's a really approachable food. It's not taxing too much to the cook. It's not taxing to the recipe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you've got the ingredients at home for the most part. In my experience, you have to have the best baking powder to help your flour along the way, but it's still not supposed to rise very mm-hmm. much off the griddle. Mm-hmm. It's going to be there you're going to have a chance to really explore these great flavors of whole grain foods. Uh, So I would totally advocate that. And I have a video on how to make the perfect pancake so I can hold your hand (laughs) as you experience
0: it. I think I would definitely need some hand-holding. And then once you master that, where should she go after that?
1: Crepes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to stick with the griddle.
1: (laughs) Well... I love to eat crepes and I've tried <laughs> to make them and I actually, I think I got them right one time and then I made a bunch of them that day and I layered them and froze them Uh huh. and I was able to eat them again. So that was great. But the second time I tried to make them, I put the batter in my blender ball, shake it up like that because I didn't want to wash the extra dishes and <laughs> they didn't really come out that well. Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes those things maybe agitate too fast
2: and cut up the gluten strands that are trying to form. So you can go backwards to using a whisk and you'll be fine. Yeah, And because I really love crepes too. And it's a way, you know, especially for kids to like like a
1: really flat pancake. It's
2: exactly in the 1800s recipes for pancakes and crepes sometimes look inverted. The crepe recipe will really be like a pancake
1: recipe and a pancake recipe will be for a a super flat Hmm. crepe could you just make a pancake batter and add a little more liquid to make crepe batter?
2: You could, you could, but you're putting leavener into a pancake batter and you don't need it for the crepe batter.
1: So no baking powder.
2: Yeah. So the basic crepe recipe is three, two, one. So three eggs, two cups of milk, one cup of flour. And the really important thing about making crepes is letting it rest for 10 minutes to overnight so that all of the liquid, all the ingredients absorb together then just stir it briefly again just whisk it briefly before you put it on a very hot
1: very buttered griddle. (laughs) Yep, i'm all right with the butter part (laughs) me too (laughs) (laughs) and then another thing that i had a question about is live oats live oats i got them in my farm share and i said what the heck am i supposed (laughs) to do with these am i supposed to eat them like rice am i supposed to bake something with them? What am I supposed to do with these live oats? And so I didn't do anything with the live oats. <laughs> and they're in my cupboard, and I would love to do something with them before they go bad, if they go bad. So they're like a grain kernel? Yeah, it
2: looks like a fat like, rice Yes, yes. Thing. Okay, so those are oat groats. What, what farm share did you get those in?
1: I don't remember the name off the top of my head, but it was in a little brown Like a paper bag thing with a white label. I'm so happy to hear this. Okay.
2: (laughs) Because not a lot of people are growing oats and selling them. So it's very intriguing. And what you'll want to do, you could do a couple things. You could break them up a little bit in the blender. You could cook them whole and use it like rice. But it's not going to come out like rice. You know how oats have, it'll feel very gelatinous.
1: Almost like chunky oatmeal. Ish, well, kind of a right?
2: bit, but it's going to be... it. You you can cook it whole. I would use it as breakfast because it's kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just cook it with water in the
1: same kind of ratios as you would with rice and see if mm. it needs more water. If I put it in my blender and blitz it up, it'll just become flour then.
0: Mm,
2: might not become all the way flour. It might go more to uh like steel cut oats. Okay. And... Which is great breakfast, right? Yeah. Add some raisins. You know what to do with that. Now
1: I feel more confident. Thank you. (laughs) Sure.
0: (laughs) My wife is Irish. You are Irish as well. Mm -hmm. And she loves to make Irish soda bread. Mm -hmm. Is there any way, specific way you make it that maybe she can try?
2: I, um yeah, last year or the year before, I can't remember which, I went on to this deep dive with soda bread, <laughs> which was basically an excuse to play with biscuits and try mm-hmm. to see like what's the difference between a biscuit batter and soda bread. So official soda bread doesn't have any fat in the recipe. It's just the buttermilk, the leavener, the flour. And it's really important to use a nice, fresh flour, and that's going to amplify the flavor of your soda bread a lot. So a nice, fresh, whole-grain flour. I like to use either spelt or white pastry wheat. The mill that I use is farmer ground flour near us. Interesting. Yeah, it's
1: really...
0: It's a very nice treat on a weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I wake up, I can smell my wife cooking the soda bread on the weekend.
1: That's great. (laughs) I like it, but I don't like it with raisins. No? Nope. Don't like raisins at all, or just not soda bread? I don't think. I mean, I'll like. I'll eat them in oatmeal raisin cookies, but I think that's about it. Oh, I eat. I got a raisin tooth. You
2: know, some people have a sweet tooth. <laughs> I got a raisin tooth.
0: I like them when they're still grapes. Yeah. I, I, if I, I like start them. eating grapes, I'm just gonna. I
1: like them when they're fresh grapes, and I like them when they're fermented grapes in a glass. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah, those are my two favorite ways to enjoy it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. I also have a question about chocolate cake. Uh huh. I heard you talk about that on Vox Pop. And what is your favorite way to make a chocolate cake?
2: Ah, uh, well, it's the only one that I really make. The war surplus cake is what we call it in our family, but it's just the standard. It's on the package of Hershey's cocoa, mix in the pan chocolate cake. It's, it's really straightforward, just flour, sugar, baking soda, salt, vinegar, oil and water and vanilla. You put vinegar in cake mix? Yeah, it's a vinegar baking soda explosion that happens, <laughs> you know. And is um, that
1: is that in every cake? Then I just not
2: no, doing no, it right. no. This is a very <laughs> this is a very unusual recipe, and it it really comes out great, and it's super moist. It happens to be vegan <laughs> because that's
1: just the way it is. It's a good chocolate cake recipe. Yeah, it makes me hungry. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I know someone who made Amish friendship bread and Uh they mix the bread and then they give it to somebody else and then they, I guess they add something and they mix it. And I've never done it myself and I think the process is very interesting. But the things that go through my mind are, is that okay? Is it sanitary? I know this may sound crazy, but I know that when you're making dough and I've tried, I've made pizza dough. I can do that. But (laughs) if it's humid, the pizza dough is different. Then if it's cold and dry in the winter, my pizza dough is different than in the summer. I feel like I need more flour in the summer because it's just the moisture in the air like absorbs into the dough. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking when you're going through all these different changes, you go to somebody's house and they have the AC kicked up and then it's cold and drier. And then you go somewhere where they got the dough by the window and the sunshine. And then, you know, what happens is what's the dynamic there? And does that make it better or no? Hmm.
2: I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> you stumped me. The <laughs> first time
1: I stumped someone. <laughs> Put
2: that in the record books. I know. I think I would have to look at the whole process more to be able to give an answer that had some kind of justice.
0: When you come back next time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll research it. We will do an episode on Thomas Friendship Bread. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: We like to end with a funny story of any kind, mostly reduced to food topics
2: funny story a
0: funny grain
1: story
2: (laughs) jeez i'm sure i have a lot of them but you caught me off guard i have to think um
1: we tend to do that i know (laughs) we should probably warn people yeah 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 We probably should
2: because i could have asked my kid i'm sure he would (laughs) well i guess here's a funny story i asked my son my older son who i dedicated my book to because he opened my eyes up so much to this whole world of eating and agriculture and people's history with plants my kid really did that so I asked him the other day I said have you read the book at all he said I started it mom but honestly it's just like listening to you go on and on about your grain people a bunch of years ago way before I wrote the book he said mom You live under a rock, and under that rock are other people who only know things about grains. (laughs) Oh, gosh. It's like the early teen dismissal. And so that is my tunnel vision and focus and fun.
0: All right. That's
1: great. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you.
0: That was Amy Halloran, author, baker, and pancake maker. This has been Food Friday Leftovers. I'm
1: Ashley Kinsey. And I'm Dave Hopper. Be sure to check out Vox Pop Food Friday every Friday at 2 p.m. on WAMC Northeast Public Radio.
0: Our producer is Jessica and marshall
1: Our theme is Beach Disco by Dougie Wood.
0: Food Friday Leftovers is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. And tune in next week to see what else we find in the fridge.